here we go. Alright. So, you got Blast uh, Off now, right? Blast uh, Off. Alright, Ready cool. to go? We yeah. were going to talk about today... Uh, today, we're not going to talk about Erto's chickens. Yeah. We're not going to talk about them today. Though I like talking about them. They're one, they, they give me great pleasure to talk about, but we won't talk about them today. Uh, today is sports, right? We're talking about sports. Sports, sports, yeah. Everybody's favorite. Um, everybody says... Why can't sports be non-competitive? Let's not keep score anymore. Let's just watch it for the grace of these athletes. What do yeah. you think? Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm in favor too. I want to like propose this. I know it's controversial, but I think that steroids should be like mandatory. You yeah. Know I mean? So absolutely. Because I want to see what the like what is the peak of humanity? Like what? How far can we push it before um, people's heads explode? Yeah, yeah, let's make these games as violent as possible. So Yeah, like they, Running Man, you know, like the movie with Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, anyhow, we, today we're going to talk about a couple shows that are new that we both saw this week for the first time. Or, or actually, actually, we did it differently. I, I well, I, I watched and read them, but we decided that Erto should take a different approach and just watch them, and we'll have a different perspective perhaps so erto watched ted lasso and hacks and i watched reruns of the old uh (laughs) i love lucy and no good yeah wait oh that's not what i was supposed to do no so we're gonna do ted lasso and hacks today we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time on them we're just gonna tear them apart and then move on to what we like so yeah yeah, I mean, okay. you know, just like pros and cons. I mean, it probably won't even be, I don't know if we didn't prepare like the stuff like, you know, where we deep analysis, but yeah, it's definitely. Sometimes we're going to, sometimes we'll actually put up the script and actually look at lines and, and do almost line by line readings. But this one, these two, we felt we'd like to kind of um, do it in a off the cuff, uh, just our opinions, our feelings as viewers, right? Yeah, more like a viewer. So which one do you want to start with first? Do you want to do Hacks or Ted Lasso? Uh, let's talk about Hacks first, because that's okay. what I saw first. So right. uh, my memory works chronologically. All right, so, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I'm clicking into Hacks right now. So why don't you kick it off? Because uh, that just felt like I, something I wanted to say. Yeah, you know, Hacks is pretty good. Um, it's uh that was HBO, but that's Max, right? So it's like a little bit of mm-hmm. it's like a subshoot of something of HBO, not necessarily. I guess that's our new. Yeah, well, you can't. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to pay double because you not only have to do HBO, you have to have their. I'm not sure, but I think you have to. That's not how I did it. I got it. I have to admit through YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know, with HBO, their famous saying is it's not television; it's HBO. So. The, mm-hmm. The pilots are going to be a little bit different, skewed mm-hmm. more toward an adult audience, at least in this particular case. And they're going to be a little bit lengthier than a regular pilot or a regular right. sitcom because they're going to add those few minutes because they don't have commercials, which is, you know, pretty nice, actually, mm-hmm. um, not to do commercial breaks. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it was interesting because, you know, as somebody who does like writing comedy, you know, the protagonist of the show is a comedy writer for TV. So, you know, um, 
I'm always rooting for those type of introspective shows where you get to learn a little bit about maybe the writing process. I don't know if you ever saw adaptation with um, Charlie mm-hmm. Kaufman's adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just to veer for a second. That show, that movie was awesome. And I really liked, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that he's so pained when writing, but maybe he is, you know, so tortured, you know. But I do find yeah. people's writing processes pretty interesting. And um, I'm not tortured when I write. I actually enjoy writing. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. I know some people think they're tortured. And I've actually known some writers who drink while they write or smoke while they write because it helps get them through it. Yeah. But I don't need anything to get me through it. The truth is, I enjoy the process. So yeah, I've definitely smoked weed easy. to write. You know what I mean? I can't. You've say done that, that. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I found it to be pretty pretty enjoyable. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you can't say that. But I can't drink and write. I. Like the only thing I can do when I'm drinking is just drink more and then snack a little bit and then fall asleep. That's like, yeah, well, you don't write any bad stuff that way. Yeah. I don't write anything. I just, I don't know. I can't do spelling or anything, you know, I definitely can't read, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so the protagonist and I, you know, I can't remember the name. I should probably look it up, you know, I'll look it up and, you know, so I can be official about it, but um, yeah, you know, she, the thing about writing processing shows, right? Like, writing as a visual medium is pretty boring looking like you you know you're sitting at a table and Mm. you know or a desk or maybe if you're you know like woody allen you write in bed or something but for the most part i didn't know what he wrote in bed yeah Woody really says he writes in bed Mm, interesting Mm. yeah in his apartment that he lives across the park from his wife or whatever and their kids Mm. wow totally normal well you know what i found well, there's really two protagonists, right? Because yes, aren't true. they kind of co-stars? They're the two leads are the co-stars, and they're both protagonists. Yeah. Uh, um, because antagonists are outside source, you know, like the the owner of the hotel that she plays at, and mm-hmm. her, and the agent who's kind of sometimes a pain in the ass and stuff like that. But actually, I guess you're right. The main character is um, the stand-up. She's the main mm-hmm. protagonist. The other one's yeah. like an assistant. Assistant protagonist. protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> the, the main sure assistant, assistant protagonist. Yeah. So I actually enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I yeah. just, I, I, when I see something is, is listed as a comedy, I used to write for half hour comedies in the day when we used to have more jokes. And I don't mean that as a put down. It's just true that they, they, they go for, more drama, less comedy in the half-hour comedies than they used to. And so this show is well-written. The characters are, are, are good. The, the, the storylines are also uh, good and well-written. But it doesn't Jean make Smart. me laugh much. It doesn't make me laugh much. Jean Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Jean oh, Smart. She's that. the protagonist, yeah, and she plays Deborah Vance. Yeah. And, yeah. and what's the name of the actress who plays the uh, sister? Anna- Einbinder, E-I-N binder, Einbinder, yeah. and she plays Ava, which I don't yeah. think, that, I don't think, I think she, they changed, uh, yeah, go ahead, well, I don't think she warranted having a last name, because they didn't list it, the oh. character, but I find the two characters are, I find the two characters are interesting, I find their relationship interesting, it's mostly confrontational, oh, it's we should a, say spoiler alert, sorry, I'm going to cut you off, I just want to throw that out there before we get, oh, to yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah, spoiler. We're not gonna. I'm not actually gonna tell the ending of the plot. We 
we're going to talk about the pilot, but I'm not going to really describe the storyline. I just want to describe their relationship, which I right. think was uh, mostly hostile, mostly uh, confrontational, yeah, which I like. To, to that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Very, very strong uh, difference. The, um, the story is interesting and the characters are interesting. I honestly didn't find it very funny. I found it amusing. Mm-hmm. I found uh, a few lines making me kind of chuckle, mm-hmm. but not like the laughs that we used to have. I, I, I'm a kind of an old timer, so I worked on Taxi and Cheers and the Tracy Ullman show and shows like that in my prime. And and um, those shows made me laugh almost every page or so of script, you know, mm-hmm. at least once or maybe sometimes twice and these things will go three minutes without a laugh and just mm-hmm. but not boring it never gets boring did you find it ever that it was boring at all Everybody? no it was, it was entertaining and you know it's a, for a show that one has a tv comedy writer you know the analysis of a tv comedy writer's life and their input into uh, the main character we can give some of the details away the main character is a stand-up comedian you know, mm-hmm. she works in Vegas. So for a show, you know, that's a stand-up comedian-based show, it's complete divergence from something like early Seinfeld, you know, where we're kind of watching him work. And we do watch him work, but it's a completely different take. And like you said, it it is humorous. You know, I did, I wasn't rolling on the floor laughing. No. I didn't have that kind of, you know, like if I watch Lady Dynamite or Bubblegum or something like that, those shows really... Oh, and this is also a female-empowered show, female-led mm. um, show. Mm. So that's probably why I'm comparing it to those shows, which, you know, a lot of people say that yeah. women can't be funny, and I, I totally disagree with that. Um, this show wasn't that funny, though. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, <laughs> well, this show wasn't that funny, but yeah. it wasn't because women can't be funny. I've seen women be hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I thought Veep, Veep's a show where, the, you know. I haven't seen that. Where, i got to watch that. Oh, you haven't seen Veep. Yeah, Veep's a very funny, very funny show with a female uh, lead who gets most of the laughs but yeah um i was gonna say that and she's hilarious dreyfus yeah dreyfus yeah 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 she knows how to deliver a joke so yeah. she's she's really she's really good at that and and uh i don't think it's about sex i don't think it's about gender i don't think it's about uh anything really some people are funny and some people aren't i think that's it i think there were women weren't encouraged to be the lead of half hour comedies uh that much except in the very beginning with lucille ball right i love i love lucy she was funny funny. and she she kind of kicked off the whole tv sitcom and then they kind of like didn't do a lot of women after that Mm -hmm. they had they did but they were usually uh not not as big a lead i think of um Roseanne Barr was a was a big one who came in who made mm-hmm. me laugh, mm-hmm. uh, who I liked a lot until she got a little off the wall. Well, uh, Carla, you know Carla from Cheers, she's super funny. She wasn't the lead, but she's super funny, and, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so women can be funny, you know. But th- I bring that up because that is kind of a thread in this this story. Yeah. You know, they have a uh, women's empowerment perspective throughout. Well, there the was show. Some, there there was some sense of women are. When you say women can be funny, obviously, I mean we, we mean women can be as funny as funny as men, but yeah, or funnier. What are funnier? Yeah. But what this show seems to be about is the younger writer and the older writer both feel that there's a discrimination against women in comedy. That's kind of a, that's a running theme in the show that women are discriminated 
begins in Tolkien's comedy. Which is ironic because she's the she's got like you know she's been a headliner in Vegas for X amount of years. I don't know, maybe it's like fifteen years or yeah, that's she's had what a straight playing, run for yeah. fifteen twenty years. So you know she must have had a draw, and that's actually part of the complication in the story. Is you know I don't want to give away too much, but she's dealing with you know uh, having to freshen up her act a little bit, and that's where this new writer comes in. And that's why I don't think it was really about sexism i think in this case it was about ageism because she did really well the character did really well for a long time and made a ton of money in vegas and then started toward the end they wanted her to they wanted to bring in younger acts as part of her show or or to take some of the nights she would normally do so they were more plain to the fact that she is out of date than that she was a woman mm -hmm. and so that they're, they're being it's very empowering i think in terms of the lead, very lead the main lead uh jean smart because she was like uh a major she wasn't like she was a major star in las vegas so mm -hmm. that's not an easy thing to do so they're establishing she was very successful and now she's getting older they want to bring in a younger writer right. to appeal to the younger audiences that they want in the vegas uh, showrooms mm -hmm. so um yeah so I mean, it's got a little bit of both you know it's got some ageism it's got some sexism it's um, yeah and they're both active characters you know they both are um and it's a punch down comedy you know for people who aren't familiar with the term it's we're going to talk about ted lasso but they're diametrically opposed basically in the the styles of comedy presentation mm. and so uh, this one's a little bit more mean-spirited the characters are more broken type of people who, they are uh, broken people. They're both broken people, um, which I think is interesting. You know what I found was interesting? I thought you were, you were talking about it a little bit, but I, I wanted to comment is that um, it's supposed to be about a woman who, or it is about a woman who was a very successful Las Vegas headliner. Mm -hmm. And personally, I didn't find the jokes that they used to demonstrate the, the quality of her act very funny. Yeah. Um, so that was a mistake, but that was either a mistake or or well you think that was the part you think that was like you know because the jokes were kind of hacky do you think that was it where the title been. come from the title mm -hmm. sake yeah that maybe her jokes were losing their edge and mm -hmm. and, the, and the show is called hacks and and um hacks is 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 slang for bad writers so mm -hmm. uh hacks also can be good advice about household tips and stuff so mm -hmm. those are hacks also but um and then, you know, she, to punch up her joke, it was a very, like, she was banking on, the younger writer was banking on the idea that she had been canceled in popular culture, you know, from some social media post that she had that was somewhat controversial. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really controversial, you know, of course it was safe for, you know, obviously it wasn't controversial. They don't, they don't want to go that route to really do something edgy, edgy, you know, but, um, you know, it's really about two people who need each other and come to grips with where they are in life and how they can contribute to each other's craft mm. more than it is about being super funny. You know what I mean? No, I agree. You know, and that's I, a show I about think, a comedian. I think the drama works really well, but yeah. it's a show about hacks uh, in, in the comedy world. 
And maybe it's a point that neither one of them are really great comedy writers, which seems to be the impression because they did a, they did a section where um, the, the woman who has the act, the older woman, turns to the younger woman in a competition where they're trying to punch one, one another's joke up, up and up, up, up. And every joke and that they replace the next joke with seemed to me the same. They didn't seem funny. Mm -hmm. um, but they dramatically worked. And so I was never bored. And I, I don't want to say that's not much of a compliment to say, oh, yeah, your show's not boring. You know, mm -hmm. that's not a great compliment. The truth is, it is entertaining. It was an entertaining pilot. Yeah, it just was not what I consider fitting into the comedy genre. I think it should have been there should be they should create a new genre in the awards or in categorizing anything for television that's called dramedy or something other than comedy. This is not, in my mind, a true comedy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, it wasn't um, wasn't laugh out loud funny. Like, I, for me, I think Lady Dynamite was really funny when I watched it. I was mm -hmm. like, this is funny. It, she's a female lead. She's got really strong writing. And the jokes hit. They hit really yeah. hard, you know, and they're, mm -hmm. and they're unusual, you know. So it's an original voice, which I really liked. Yeah, um, this one was not really that way. It did have some original takes and some original characters with kind of being on the inside of what her agent thinks and, you know, that interplay between the agent and his assistant. And um, yeah, you know what? There was some humorous or you can maybe say funny attitude, but even funny yeah. attitude doesn't make you laugh out loud. Right. There was a strong flavor of the comedy throughout every scene yeah. but just not laughs just and i not... actually think funny attitude can work without jokes for example george costanza who's primarily attitude he says funny things mm. but it's his perspective that makes it so funny but in this case yeah it was you know a little bit tepid on both you know and, and yeah yeah that's what i felt so i think if it weren't for the really well written drama this series would not be very successful because if it had to rely on the comedy people would come away from it saying, well, it didn't make me laugh. Nobody wants to go to a comedy that's, that's listed as a comedy and come away having not laughed. I think people do come to the show not knowing what it's going to be. And I think they think it's a drama or a dramedy with some co comedic framing. Yeah, I didn't have any, um, any expectations. I didn't know it was about a stand-up comedian. Um, I didn't know anything about, I didn't read the, log line i just we picked the show uh, you know and i just kind of went with it from there mm -hmm. didn't didn't do too much prep and just enjoyed i like the show actually i watched the whole first season so yeah you told me that I, I only watched i watched the pilot and i read the pilot and actually you know what was interesting to me is that they changed jokes from the script to the mm. to, to what they shot the shooting script mm -hmm. And again, they changed things to improve them and didn't. They yeah. were just more of the same kind of joke. It's like they seem to be able to write one kind of joke, mm -hmm. a humorous joke, but they, I didn't see any funny jokes. And I know this sounds terrible, you know, terrible critique about it, but I actually found it entertaining. So it's not a terrible critique. If you want to watch a dramedy, watch it. It just doesn't belong in the comedy category in my mind.
This also, you know, it checked that category of being a diverse show. It's a very woke. It, it basically is like a woke comedy, mm. you know, in a way where they have, you know, character leads or, you know, main characters who are gay, who are black, who are Asian, who are, mm. um, you know. Uh, aliens. Yeah, aliens. He um, loves out. Extraterrestrials. Sec- sexually always- fluid, you know, and. It does have Katie Olson, Caitlin Olson in in there, who's um, mm-hmm. she's from she's married to Rob Mc I can't I can never say his name McElnair whatever the guy the the writer for um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia she's on that show she's funny she came in pretty funny she had some good scenes in the show you know but mm-hmm. um, you know in terms of like what do you think about the setup for the story you know like especially setting up not only a pilot but the complications for a series you know how did how did you feel about the mechanics of that part of it you know because we see the part that she's got a daughter you know you mm. see her complication with the store like with the her position where she's at not just age wise but you know in in the in the realm of her stage of entertainment you know where she's fixed in vegas and um and then also with the other character Ava, you get to see like where she's at and her and her right. level of her career, and you know she's reluctant at times to assist. So it's it's interesting. What do you what do you think about? That I thought that it conflict? was it was there wasn't there was a good structure to the pilot. I think again, I think it's well constructed, well executed, and entertaining. Mm-hmm. I just want to put it in a different category. I know that sounds redundant. I keep saying that, but <laughs> different category, different category. Yeah. I won't say that anymore. No more. Yeah. I mean, I thought, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting to have like a little bit of, um, you know, the, the wokeness versus somebody who's not interested in being woke, who's a little bit less PC, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that combination creates a certain amount of conflict and that's mm. basically where they kind of, um, you know, find some common ground. I like the lack of PC-ness. I think PC-ness is a little bit overdone. Um, mm. and, and it leaves you a little bit feeling like you're just being polite about saying something terrible, you know, which is not the same thing as being um, not not rude mm. or whatever, you know. It's a little bit fake, I think, you know. Yeah, they're rude to each other, which I, I did like that. I liked some of the rudeness. Was, was, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was Some of that was, it was entertaining. The rudeness, the, the, the humor to that, the attitudes were, were funny attitudes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the show unless you tune in because you want to laugh out loud comedy. Yeah. Then, then you're in the wrong place. Yeah. And um, I did think that, like, it was interesting too, like if to see, you know, you don't have a lot of workplace comedies, right? That have to do with writing, you know. Mm. I, I mean, there's been some famous ones. I mean, um, Dick Van Dyke Show, for example, mm. workplace comedy about comedy writers. Um, uh, Thirty Rock, which I think is one of the, my favorite workplace yeah. comedy about mm. comedy writers. Um, so this isn't in the same level, and it's definitely not like Thirty Rock is a laugh out loud comedy. Yeah, you know? Thirty it's Rock very is funny. a laugh out loud. Yeah, and obscure and unique and bizarre but also structured well and you know has memorable characters um you know this one is this one is just you know we keep saying it's a dramedy but i mean you have to call it like you see it it is a dramedy it's much more of like an emotional built show it's based based on 
you know, I, like for example, Seinfeld has zero emotions. This one, you know, if it was on a spectrum of Seinfeld to terms of endearment, you know, it kind of probably falls somewhere in the middle. Obviously it's leaning more yeah. towards Seinfeld, but definitely not, um, not as funny as Seinfeld. But, you know, that being said, I think the writing was very smart. I think it was, uh, and they, they move the storyline forward and they brought the characters together in a way that was pretty interesting and then had uh, some elements of surprise toward the end. There were elements of surprise that worked nicely too. So, yeah. uh, so, so it, if on thumbs up or thumbs down on this one, I'd say no thumbs. I don't, no thumbs. I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge it that no way because it's not, it's really entertaining. It, you know, just go into it with the right attitude, just going with the attitude that you're going to follow these characters. You're going to care about the characters, which is all good stuff. Mm -hmm. Just don't go into it wanting endorphins from laughing because it's not, that's not. Well, you know, it's interesting too. I, did this one win anything or get nominated for anything? Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, she won as best actress, didn't she? I don't know. I don't really follow that. Jean Smart, I, th I thought she won an Emmy for Best Actress. At least she? She, okay. she was nominated. I think they both may have been nominated, but uh, it didn't win for Best Show. Best Show was Ted Lasso, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, in comparison to, I, you know, I, I didn't end up watching the whole season of Ted Lasso. I watched the pilot, and, you know, we could probably segue into that one a little bit. For me, um, you know, seeing that Ted Lasso was so highly nominated, kind of, I don't like, to, I don't like to like know something so great before I watch it. So I tried not to pay any attention to it. Finding out a lot of that information afterhand or afterwards was, you know, fine. I, you know, I, I, you know, in terms of which show I was like moved to watch more, just based on the pilot, I watched the whole series of uh, Hacks. So um, Ted Lasso, I've I haven't watched the whole series. I wasn't moved to watch the next episode mm -hmm. in such a way to where I was like, oh, let me just see what the next one's about. Um, I probably will watch more to see if I'm more engaged along the way. But that style of comedy, that punch down or punch up comedy where he's mm -hmm. being super nice and the, everyone's a curmudgeon around him. Yeah. Um, I actually, I was kind of annoyed, to be honest with you, about his character. It was a bit much. It's like... Uh, yeah. Just because he's being super likable like that doesn't make me like him. It's kind of uh, unreal in a, such a distant way to me. It seems like there's, I've I've known people like that on the bus or like, you know what I mean? Like, um, or like hanging out behind the buildings, you know, when you're skating or something and they always want to buy you like some, uh, you know, like a soda and like fucking touch your inner thigh or some shit. You know, just, <laughs> well, I, my thought with him was that if you can believe that he's sincerely the character he projects, I will like the series more. Yeah. If he's manipulating people with his niceness, I don't think I'll like the series as much. Yeah. But we have opposite opinions about the two series. You would rather watch Hacks. I did. I mean, I watched the whole series. I'm right, going to watch right. more because maybe, you know, I, I do like to give a pilot its island, you know. Mm -hmm. I like to put it in an island and say, like, what are the mechanics of this particular piece? Because I know that may not be the whole show and it may not stay like, you know, like Park and, Parks and Rex is a perfect example where the show grows and as it grows, it just becomes so much more than what the pilot was. Right, right. Sometimes the pilots do too much introduction of characters and, and theme mm -hmm. and, and consequently 
lose some of their entertainment value. And I think that between Ted Lasso and, and Hacks, I would prefer to watch Ted Lasso. But I was going, I was assuming, I'm making my own assumption that his kindness, his niceness is genuine, that that is mm -hmm. who he that's is. What, that's what I got. You know, I felt like he was, the character supposed to be sincere that way. Yeah. So it, given that, I'm okay with it. If it turns out later on that he's manipulative, I won't like it as much, except that might make it more interesting. But in some ways, in some ways it would be disappointing. So uh, I have to say I was entertained by the, by the pilot and I watched some clips of of other episodes, highlights of other episodes, and I found that it was charming. He's a charming guy. Uh, if you buy into his sincerity, uh -huh. that's genuinely who he is. He's a charming, fun, fun guy. Was it funny either? <laughs> Here's a, it sounds like I'm prejudiced or sour grapes because I worked in a different era of comedy uh -huh. when we had to have three jokes per page. I mean, three hard laughs per page or, or they wanted you to rewrite it. And now they don't do that anymore. They'll go pages and pages without a hard laugh. This one was and, definitely much more traditional than Hacks, you know, in terms yes. of the setups and everything. It's much more sitcom style than Hacks was, I think. It still didn't seem like it had a lot of jokes in it. It mm -hmm. had a lot of attitude. Mm -hmm. And the attitude was entertaining and funny. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm looking at, at looking back. You don't have to look that far back. I'm looking at, say, early episodes of The Big Bang Theory, mm -hmm. which yeah. were, had so many laughs in it. Um, as opposed to strong storyline. Now, these shows have strong storyline. True, yeah. With less laughs. So it's maybe just a change in um, in form for a given time. Maybe it'll swing back. It seems to be the pendulum now is swinging toward um, humorous, well-written, smart comedies instead of laughs first and, and and even in the old days when we did shows that were smart like cheers which i worked on was a smart show but we still were really uh that was a joke concentrated. Page, yeah you know? like absolutely sure. we just really concentrated on the jokes we yeah we had to have a story and the story had to be strong but if there weren't jokes we were there till three four in the morning because we were going to get those jokes. And I know these people aren't staying until three or four in the morning because the jokes are the hardest thing to add to a comedy when mm -hmm. you have to write your comedy. You have a comedy that's really great. Now, I would take, like, if I were to take um, Hacks, for example, I would have, as a showrunner, I would have made people stay there. I know they went home at normal hours mm -hmm. writing a good script. But we weren't satisfied with writing a good or even a very good script. It had to also make people laugh out loud. And the making people laugh out loud was the thing that kept you there till three in the morning. Yeah, you know, like juxtapose it against something that's a little bit, obviously not the same structure, but like the Chappelle show. Now that was a mm -hmm. crazy laugh out loud set of sketches. It's sketches, so it's different. But, you know, that's why it was it's such a cult classic, basically. You know, like wife's so beloved and sold so many because it was really there was some really funny and controversial but very yeah. funny stuff this was um the ted lasso character you know do gooder does good um you know i, I he win he wins over uh yeah wins over. you know people who are not believers and people who are he's able to convert people who are kind of 
bad and makes him good so easily that also seemed unreal but yeah um but that's part of the the charm of it i think most people who are watching this show love the niceness and the goodness and i think the reason for that is because we've gone a long period where badness and meanness and mean-spirited um stories became the most yeah. popular it's and a pendulum suddenly, swing yeah it's suddenly a there's a good show i mean not a good show i mean there's a show with a with goodness as as a main theme of the show mm -hmm. and that goodness is new and i'm going to go way back but but i remember when we were doing a lot of real jokey comedies they were they were mean-spirited when i was younger cosby came along and did the cosby show mm -hmm. and it, the cosby show everybody was just nice and everybody loved it wow a nice functional family not a dysfunctional family mm -hmm. which is usually the course you do to get your laughs sure. but a functional loving caring sweet charming family and that became a super hit uh you know forget about what might have been going on behind behind the cameras backstage or whatever the projection of cosby and his other actors uh was a very functional loving charming delightful family and people wanted that because they'd been away from it for so long and then we went from that back to the meaner spirited stuff, which became popular again, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia is about mean spirited people mm -hmm. like Seinfeld. Seinfeld was like that too. Mean spirited, sure. angry, frustrated people was kind of, so it keeps going back and forth. You know, people I get wonder, tired of, go ahead. Well, no, to that, it's like, I wonder if, you know, hacks has a character growth, you know, which is a little bit different than actually for a comedy. So like Roseanne, there it's got moral tales, but the characters are always the same. She's always yeah. going to be snarky. Um, John Goodman's always going to be like the lovable everyman. Um, Darcy's always going to be like real quippy, you know, and then the, and then the rest of them kind of fade in and out, you know. And then you have the the sister, you know, who comes over with all of her problems. They're always going to be like that. You know, that's always yeah. going to be. And Hacks is always going to, you're always going to have the the writer that needs, the young writer who needs some direction because that's part of the premise of that show is, yeah, she's young. She's got a youthful mentality and she's got some funny stuff to say. But she, the premise of her development was she's not telling jokes. She's writing situations that are, and they actually address that in the show are, yeah. that are not funny. You know, she's not writing a joke. She doesn't have a setup and a punchline. She mm. has no follow through. She has, you know, observations the, uh, about the, things that the, are unimportant. The Gene, the Gene Smart character is just the opposite. Hers yeah. are all set up punchline, set up punchline. Yeah. That's the way she yeah. writes her material. So, so there's a contrast there, which is really, it's good. It plays well. But and both her, shows play well. Both shows play well, I think. Both shows are shows yeah. I would watch if I had nothing else to watch. If if I could watch paint dry, drying instead, I would I would do that. But <laughs> no, 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 yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, uh, obviously. Well, no, they just have that fast drying paint now, so it's like there's nothing else to I watch know, for. Too I long. know, Acrylic. but no, I I would watch both these shows. I'm not. I don't spend a whole lot of time watching television because I prefer doing other things like writing television. Which you say, if you don't watch it, why do you write it? Because there are things I like that I think should be, there are things that I've always liked about television and always will. But I, if I watched more television, I, I definitely would have both these on my list. And I want, I was just going to ask though, like, and it'll it remains to be seen. I haven't seen the first series of 
Ted Lasso. So I'm mm. curious to see as a as an emotional development and payoff, will it be more of a payoff for Hacks? Because I saw that first series or I saw that first season. I know what the emotional payoff was for that show. I wonder versus Ted Lasso if it's going to have the same level of emotional payoff because it his will character probably will not change. It's it won't be change. The people around it, him that change. Yes, and I've seen. I've only seen clips. And I'm not going to be a spoiler by by telling, but I've seen clips from the whole first season, and there are some really wonderful uh, twists and some really wonderful conversions and changes. Mm -hmm. Not to Ted. Ted's pretty consistent. He's going to stay pretty consistent. He changes everybody. So it's like you take a very a bad situation, dysfunctional team. You bring in this goodness, and this goodness infects everybody with goodness. It's kind of where they're doing, which I like, and I'm enjoying. And uh, and as I said, I would I would watch this series if I were committed to watching series. I would do this, but the episode that I saw, the pilot. And the clips I saw, I could see that it's strongly written, performed, and uh, the stories are, are moving. The stories are moving. You'll see that as you watch more. Have you ever seen um, Peter Sellers being there? Mm-hmm. Is it being here or being there? Being there, I think. Being, being there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this character, it reminds me of that character, although you know, much more present, mentally present and mm -hmm. emotionally intelligent, right? But the idea that this character, you know, and being there is funny because of the fact that he is a little bit disconnected. So when he finds himself in a bind, he just explains different gardening techniques and everybody applies that to the the current moment right, to think right. he's they such think, a genius. They think he talks in metaphors when yeah. in fact he's talking literally yeah. But he's he, he's a little crazy, so yeah. he's not understanding the situation. So he describes something else, and everybody assumes it's a metaphor. Yeah, and, and they love it. Uh, this guy doesn't speak of metaphors, though. It was very, it was a very funny show. And at the end, the movie, and, and yeah. at the end of the movie, there's a sense that is he Jesus Christ? Is mm -hmm. he the savior? Uh, you know, is he uh, the Messiah? Who is this guy? Because he comes and he makes everybody do better. Yeah, and at the end, I won't tell you about the movie either, in case you want to watch it. Then there's something he does that really makes you think maybe it's more than we even thought. Yeah, um, he has that like cult-like building ability, though, where you speak in non sequiturs and metaphors and uh, hard to decipher phrases. And yes, you know, yeah. Oh, now he's he's a genius. He's in touch with something, and you know we do have that as a as a species to gravitate towards people who are. Uh, you know, less expository in their conversation and more vague. And we seem to think like, oh, that's the one who, who knows yeah, it all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, Ted doesn't feel that way to me. Ted feels like a guy who's genuinely uh, yeah, that's true. a good he person yeah. who wants to do things the way he does and thinks that being good will convert people. And this particular show, it does. I found I've been a good person all my life and I just get a lot of shit thrown at me for yeah. it. So I, I don't buy that Ted is able so easily to convert all these people, but I enjoy the process. So I, I enjoy the show. I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a stretch of reality. Usually a good mm -hmm. person comes into a room with a bunch of bad people and probably more apt 
to leave as a bad person and the good people, then the bad people leave as good people. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't seem to work that way. Ted goes to this awful screwed up team and is able to make everybody decent, good people. It's just not very likely, especially in sports. I've, I've had my experience in sports and it's not where people are usually converted to being nice. People and don't it, even like niceness. And you so know, he has an antagonist at every turn, you know, because, yeah. you know, everybody's bitter and it's got that. I don't know if you've ever seen Major League with um, Charlie Sheen. You know, it's got I didn't see that a no. similar premise as to like what's going on with the behind the scenes and why he's actually there. And um, sports is a very aggressive liking there's even a sense about encouraging anger mm -hmm. and yeah. conflict because it makes you perform harder and faster and meaner yeah. and stronger and ted goes to grins all that because he comes to the team and he's trying to he's forcing niceness down their throats which usually softens the team in in reality but in this situation it makes the team better too which i i won't tell you too much about that but but it's it's a it's an allegory. It's not reality because it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. Goodness does not come in and convert badness to goodness. It just you maybe know over time you can have an influence, and in some cases it, cha it change. Some people will change, but this is an allegory. This is this is a little bit of a fairy tale here. Yeah, you know, like in comparison to Atlanta, right? Because we talked about Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So Atlanta, I want to go back and watch it, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm like, damn, I can't I can't believe I watched all the hacks and didn't watch all of Atlanta because I really liked Atlanta. I like the humor. I like the uniqueness, the oddity of the characters, their, their positioning against each and other. And there were some, the there story. were actual, some actual laughs in it. It's still not as many as the old sitcoms, but there are some real laughs in it. Yeah, and there's an interesting setup. There's an interest. I mean, I watched a few episodes. So actually, there's some really hard laughs in the next episode. I don't know if you watched the next episode, but I was of Atlanta. Yeah, I found myself laughing out loud for that oh. one for sure. And it has this the storyline. It seems like it's going to progress in a very interesting way. Whereas, um, you know, that's so. I'll just finish this thought. So I want to watch more of that one. Ted Lasso. I feel like. And hopefully it's good, but I ha I'm not driven to watch it. Mm -hmm. I will watch more because I want to see if, like, my original impression and interpretation of the story and the characters leads me to a surprise, you know. So I'm – because, like, Parks and Rec. Like, I, I did not like Parks and Rec. And it took me three times to watch that on – you know, over a span of a few different years where I watched Parks and Rec, didn't like it. And then finally, I sat myself down, watched all the episodes, I think up until maybe like mid-third season. That's and right. Then That's I was like, wow, this show is great. But that was after this, this first two, after they got they, rid of one of the characters. In the you know what happened? They started being kind of a mild comedy, mm -hmm. a mild comedy with no strong, even the storylines weren't very engaging, really. It was just all... Okay, worse than either of these two shows in my mind, mm -hmm. but but as you said later on, it became a it became huge. It became a blockbuster, you know. Later yeah, on, yeah, it's one of my favorites of all time shows. Yeah, I, mean, I love yeah. it. It's up there with the so Office. It, it took a while. It, Seinfeld was like that. The first few episodes in the first season weren't very good, and it got better. Um, Ted Lasso and Hacks both start strong enough that I think that 
I think both are starting stronger than Parks and Rec started, but yeah, so in terms of their characters, like mm -hmm. feeling engaged, like in that world. Yeah, I would say that that's probably true for sure. So, and I'm telling you, you're going to be surprised. There are some twists. Most of the twists that, from Ted Lasso is how other people react and then his counter to the reaction. Cause you don't, we're not all thinking about making every thought you have in your head being goodness. Uh -huh. So you, you don't always anticipate what Ted's going to say. Cause you're not thinking that way. You know, somebody says something like, you know, terrible to your face. You, most of us get mad back and Ted doesn't. And you'll see, there'll be, you'll, you'll see some surprises and some very simple moments that, on paper look too simple, but I think the characters pull them off and make a moment out of something that's very simple uh -huh. and very, very nice. The niceness is a big, big part of that show, niceness. But they take a nice moment and they play it so well. Uh -huh. You know what I just realized is this whole woke community that we live in that's been pushing us to be PC in every corner and, every, you know, around every corner and put a safety net around every being and put helmets and knee pads on everybody and mm. you know um put warning labels on all hot things and all cold things now ironically it's pushing us into this like christian motif which is like an, a character that is super nice and he's surrounded by meanies and he still learns to navigate this world mm. and gradually convert people to being a little bit less curmudgeon all the time mm. you know and yeah. I, I find that actually kind of a funny analysis of not really funny but an interesting analysis of where we are as a culture you know mm -hmm. at this day and yeah age. you know i think i think we had gone too far to, to being politically correct all the time and i think it's hurt some of the comedy and drama especially the comedy i think but sure um but i think that that, that will change but I, th I think i i know you and i know your appreciation of a comedy and character i think you're gonna like ted lasso as you watch more episodes yeah i think definitely and i think you gotta go you know why i think you haven't watched more episodes of atlanta atlanta's atlanta makes you think atlanta has mm. drama that kind of in some ways makes you angry or uh or decisive or want to act Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a little more work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a little more work to watch an episode of Atlanta than it is to watch an episode of Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. Ted Lasso is just kind of, you know, you kind of know it's going to work out, but you don't know exactly. So that's how they keep it clever, that you get to an ending or a twist that you say, okay, I can see that was inevitable, but I didn't predict it. It was not predictable. Do you so, think, like, if we lived in the world of reruns and regular television, that it would be one of those shows to where like friends or something like that. And I know people swear by friends, but one of those or will and grace and people swear by will and grace to where it's on at a certain time. You're not a big bang theory. You're not expecting to like it. You watch it, you get comfortable and used to the characters and you end up knowing a lot of the shows, you know, and, and then you eventually enjoy the show enough to be like, Oh yeah, I watch, you know, I watch big bang theory or will and grace or, you know, Whereas like other shows, you know, really have like not only a diehard following, but, you know, they have really memorable, it's memorable TV, you know, where you are engaged and mm -hmm. hoping for the next episode. I really think that both of these shows, Ted Lasso and Hacks, will have memorable 
shows that you really remember what happened and how and and I found that Big Bang Theory, though it made me laugh, had no memorable moments. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I I shouldn't say that had memorable moments, but nothing that I could off the top of my head think about. Nothing comes to mind except that it made me laugh a lot. Yeah, mainly it's Penny. You know, she's the she's the main draw. You know, she's not. You know, it's not that funny, but it's like there's something interesting to watch. Well, the guys are funny. The guys are yeah. funny. Penny's it's well cast as well performed it, it's it has a lot of jokes and lots of jokes in it yeah I it's think got without, a lot of jokes if it didn't have the number of jokes it had in it it wouldn't have lasted this long it, it survives on the number of jokes and how funny it can be because it isn't memorable in the sense that that you relate to it on on a profound or a really hu- human experience uh-huh. feeling you know it, it it's just laughs and yeah. it has a lot of laughs, and that's why it succeeded, and that's why it was actually, as long as it was on the air, it was the most popular comedy on the air, and one of the most popular shows. I think for a while it was more popular than anything. It was more popular than everything except, I think, football, and uh, I think it beat all the dramas. So I think it was, it was in the top ten all the time, and that's all on the laughs, because I cannot tell you that I cared ever about. You knew what was going to happen with Penny, you knew what was going to happen with, with Sheldon. You knew what was going to happen with Leonard. You, you knew where it was going. Um, but you laughed all the way, so it was okay. But I don't remember a moment where I went, oh, wow, aha moment or a twist moment or, or something that moved me. Nothing ever moved me on that show. Nothing ever moved me on that show. Yeah, and it has a – I mean, to say it has a tenth of the storyline of either of these two stories, you know, uh, Hacks or um, – Ted Lasso is actually being very generous. I mean, it has less than a tenth of actual story content. You know, like I said, it's yeah. got not you know what ninety percent more jokes. You know, yeah, than yeah. the other two shows, but um, it definitely does not have that much in terms of uh, story. But in it's my mind, it's the old. It is the old sitcom formula, and it does that clearly is in the comedy category that is a yeah. comedy yeah that's no dramedy a, yeah no dramedy sure. there that's a comedy that's not light comedy mm-hmm. it's boom it's comedy yeah you know and, and it fits the label and uh that's why it was so successful and so those of you who are thinking about what kind of comedy you're going to create it's up to what your own taste is if you're the kind of person who likes to write lots of jokes then there's a big market for you. If you want to be the, if you're the kind of person who likes to write softer jokes and more drama, there's a big market there also. So it's up to you to decide what you want to write. Passion is important. Enthusiasm is important. Inspiration is important. So go with, you know, what moves you because there's markets. It seems like there's a market now for everything. When I was doing it, the only comedies that made it were really hard laughers. Mm -hmm. But now today you can get by with, stories that are humorous it's like yeah it's a whole new genre there should be comedy and humor maybe mm-hmm. humor should be humor i know and comedy is a you know it's semantics kind of but humor means something different to me humor was mark twain yeah you know, comedy was um it was a funny comedy writer that used to say woody allen's or you know some of his short stories yeah. made me laugh out loud mark twain never made me laugh out loud but i loved his stuff you know Mm -hmm. it was great character great story great points to be made purpose and uh, profundity that didn't exist in in uh in lighter works like woody allen's work though some of woody allen's work 
was was profound as well but yeah it's kind of um, like vonnegut you know vonnegut has some laugh out loud moments yeah yeah vonnegut's looking what, at the human element you know but vonnegut yeah had a really perverse sense of humor that was really strong and i loved his stuff mm -hmm. and his stories but his stories were the strongest part but they always had this sense that of a lightness even in their worst situation he told horrific stories with a lightness to them so mm -hmm. there's a genre there it's just in television we used to just make it simple comedy drama comedy drama comedy drama and then it started like overlapping and now we're it's hard to define one from the other and there are some dramas that have a lot of good comedy in them um, you know what's interesting though is we're talking about which one falls on like a you know the, in terms of the spectrum of dramedy and comedy comedy which one falls where we spent more time talking about ted lasso as a characterization but we talked about the jokes that were either not as hard hitting, but there were actual jokes and hacks, you know, so in comparison, I would say that hacks even has more jokes than Ted Lasso does, even though the jokes are a little bit hackier. And I know, you know, the series does get a little bit funnier, but the Ted Lasso thing, I felt like we, I don't remember one like superbly funny moment. It's just like, oh, look at this goof guy that's like, you know, mm. it's more about that particular take, you know, and you know it's what it's like, it's like taken away. You know what it is kind of an underdog story because it's the guy who you see this guy's this goofy guy because he's so nice and you expect him to get stomped on and instead he succeeds. And so it's an underdog story too. Yeah, fish I, out I of hadn't water. thought that. I hadn't yeah. thought of that until you just mentioned it, but it is kind of an underdog. It's yeah, uh, you know, the a nice guy's an underdog in the sporting world, in particular, the sports, mm -hmm. because uh, it's sports is about competition, it's about being the other person, it's about mm -hmm. winning, it's about you know being strong, and it's not about nice and sweet and kind and all the things he brings to it. So it has it's a, a fantasy, like you said. It, his type of personality and persona would get you probably eaten alive in the real world. I bet you would. I bet yeah. he. He wouldn't make it in the real sporting. I keep sporting in the real world of sports. He wouldn't make it through one season. I I really believe, but it's believable the way they portray the, his first season in uh, in soccer, football, you know, European football. Uh, it's believable. It's believable. Whereas Deborah the way Vance, they do it. I think Deborah Vance would prepare you for life. You know what I mean, like. Her character, she's got an edge to her, but that's an edge that's brought on by being weathered from the disappointments and the trials and tribulations of life. I mean, you know, she's a little bit more bitter, you know, especially given her position and her station in life. You know, she thinks she would be like at a more grateful stage, you know, but she isn't. You know, she's she feels still slighted and put upon and not given her just um, desserts and the respect. You know, she's. Like, uh, you know, um, Raji Dangerfield, she just doesn't get any respect, you know, like mm -hmm. that kind of vibe. But mm -hmm. if you had to take life coach lessons from either one of these people, I, I don't know, like knowing what I know now about life, I probably would have signed up for Ted Lasso earlier on in life. But then yeah. after coming home with black eyes, you know, every day, I would probably say like, well, what's this Deborah Vance lady, um, you know? Uh -huh. No, I know you, you know, you're right because, um, it's probably easier to survive in this world if you're a little bit of a hard ass, but we all want to be nicer, I think, even, well, I shouldn't say all of us, 
us, some of us. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if that's, maybe, forget I said that, I'm shutting up. <laughs> I think, <laughs> like, you know, like to put it in Karate Kid terms, like Mr. Miyagi was, he was stern. He wasn't nice all the time. He did good things. He did nice things. He ultimately believed in the underdog to achieve, mm. you know, that, mm. that makes you endear, but he was hard about like, Hey, you got to do these chores. He just yeah. wasn't the guy from Cobra Kai, you know, who had no mercy, you know, and that mm. to us, I think as a, I don't know if as a species, but it seems like you're uncaring and, uh, and in a way that's unjust, you know? And so, but you know, Mr. Miyagi's going to chop somebody down. He might not sweep the knee, but he's going to chop somebody down. Um, if need be to protect himself, whereas the other mm. guy is going to chop you down when it's unnecessary, you know. So it's a completely right. different kind of concept. So, to show off, to show off, or yeah, or to be feel superior. Do, yeah, dominate completely. Yeah, to dominate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so bottom line for me is, I I think we can end this here, but because I think I think we've covered it pretty well, is that yeah. for me is that I recommend that you watch both shows, and. Um, and I think you may find that you that it's it, it's going to be worthwhile regular viewing for you. I, I have no problem with either show being a staple of uh, quality TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to. I'm going to watch the watch some more and then see if I move to watch the rest of the season. And if I am watched, I, I may give my opinion on what the two seasons how they weighed up you know how they wait you know i like i i think it'd be cool if you watch more ted lasso and tell us next time we have one of these uh podcasts yeah how you feel after you've seen some more episodes because i know how the first episode can make you feel like man this can't mm -hmm. this doesn't have legs this doesn't yeah, have yeah, legs to travel yeah. but i think you'll i think you're gonna see differently so i i, I i'm curious what you're gonna think after you see some you know, but like, let's take a look at like some of the, you know, some of the shows that you worked on. None of those people, like, and that's what you were talking about earlier. None of the, like the characters that you ended up liking were the kind of the curmudgeon-y ones, you know, that's mm. the one, they got the big laughs, you know, like. Yeah, we, for, for the history of television, I think I started watching sitcoms with the Mary Tyler Moore show. That's how old I am. So that goes way back, but. In that one, the, the favorite character was Ed Asner, mm -hmm. uh, who just passed away, actually, yeah. just a little short while. He was this kind of mean and, and uh, arbitrary and dogmatic character, uh, but he was so funny and he was not vicious. He was not mean-spirited. He just was tough. Mm -hmm. He was a tough guy. And, and on shows I worked on, like Taxi, uh, Louis De Palma was an asshole, but we loved him. Uh -huh. um, so, uh, gosh, you know, if you write a character well, find a character who's strong for whatever reason and write that character well. The ones that characters that I lose interest in are the ones who aren't strong, either by being either too angry, too mean, or uh -huh. too nice, or too good. The ones who are just kind of in the middle. Uh -huh. Those are the people I want for friends. Those uh -huh. are the people I want for my own life because it's a calmer, easier life. Yeah. But it's kind of like driving by, you know, driving on a freeway. Every once in a while, you'll see an accident. kind of perks you up a little bit. and you, uh -huh. you feel bad about looking at the accident, but you do. It's kind of like that way. You want to look at these bad guys or these guys are too good all these weird troubled and whatever for entertainment you want to watch them for real life you don't want you know you don't necessarily want that in your life 
but in entertainment you do yeah it's like rick and morty like morty is like the nice you know nice guy he always wants to do the nice thing or whatever you know he's always like embarrassed or you know, defensive of what Rick is doing, you know, but Rick's the funny one. Like he's, you know, it's their combination. Rick is a, is a grandfather. Yeah. 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 Or is Morty. Yeah. I think Morty is the kid. He's like the Marty kid, like Marty. Oh, oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I haven't sure. I've seen it a few times, but I, I, I've forgotten. I haven't seen it in a long time. So yeah. I don't remember who's who, but I agree with you. Yeah. It, it's, it's like they play off each other well because you enjoy both things. You enjoy mm -hmm. the the selfish or or the reckless guy, and you, you also enjoy the one who's more responsible. But I don't think you can do a series with just a responsible person. I think you get bored, and that's why you're having a problem with Ted Lasso. He just seems like a nice guy, but you're going to see the twists of everybody else to this constant niceness is, I think, what's working for the series. But it actually made me think too, like his assistant is not as nice. He's a little bit edgier, but he, mm -hmm. I, you know, you get the sense that they've been together for a long time and he understands where he's coming from. So he's got his back. And then if you compare that to Ava's character with Deborah Vance, she's also curmudgeon, you know, even though she's young. So there, it's like almost a one note type of play where you have two people who are very similar that seemingly would butt heads. Yeah. So it, it, you know, mm. you would you would expect mm. them to get along in a bar because they've both been through some shit or something. You know, um, you know. So there's not really a big divergence between those two characters. Where mm -hmm. on on either side, they're both kind of similar. You know, the the because you know this the, there's the main character that's super important, but there's always the second secondary character that's the friend that kind of makes that person seem that much more elevated in their position. And, um, you know, like you said, with Rick and Morty, they play off each other because they're so different on both of these characters. They're very similar, you know, like, you know, take Sam and Sam and Diane, like they're very different or Sam and Carla, they're very different, you know, so they're they support each other in that way where you have stuff to bounce off, you know, Diane thinks she's too smart for Sam. Sam's too dumb for her. You know, Sam's mm. thinks he's very good looking. He can flirt with any girl he wants. Yeah. You know, so there's like a little bit of like um, and an imbalance there that makes it interesting. But they both have they both have a sense of superiority in a way. Sam sure. thinks he's he's a superior uh, woman's man. Yeah. And, you know, he's sexy and he's hot. Yeah. Diane thinks she's superior because she's smarter mm -hmm. and, and has a more attractive personality and 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 intellect so they both feel superior in different completely different ways and yet they're drawn to each other she's drawn to sam's sexuality which she thinks he has and he's drawn to her being smart because he's never been with with smart women and he likes that that this uh this woman who has some thoughts in her head is still attracted to him he's usually attracted to bimbos mm -hmm. to, uh, to you know um so yeah, when you're writing your series, when you're creating your comedy pilot, you just have so many choices. I always tell people, the great thing about writing is you have the whole universe. If you're an actor, you have certain limitations. You have what you can do with your body and your voice and, and things. With writing, you can do anything. I mean, I've written comedy and drama. And I've written, I've even done some horror stuff. Um, 
you can do anything if, you, if you're a good writer and you know how to use the language and you know how to create interesting dialogue and and interesting characters and strong storylines um you know you can do you you just have the whole universe to pull from to, mm -hmm. to make your stuff happen uh you just have and and you can do it at home on your own and uh, actors have to be with other actors you know and they have to work out together basically with their dialogue classes or their acting classes you can almost stay at home and just read and watch good stuff and learn from it and develop your own voice and your own style and your own writing almost entirely on your own without much help but as long as you use good examples to 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 grow from you know mm -hmm. yeah so i don't think you have to go this is going to get me in trouble i don't think you have to go to, to university for four years studying uh, creative writing to to be a good television writer but i do think you have to put in the hours i think mm -hmm. you have to watch good shows what read the scripts that go to those good shows uh see what, what what's put together and get a sense of your of character story and uh and uh theme and those basic elements of writing and just grow by practice and you don't have to do it with somebody else you can do it by yourself you know it's interesting you brought up you know writing these different genres if you blend genres like i find that comedy and horror can kind of work in tandem mm -hmm. which is unusual but it's like that heightened sense of timing and experience but yeah. if you write like i there are some good sci-fi comedies you know but it's not really a genre that blends well it's not as easily acceptable and i think that's because there's a certain the sci-fi crowd seems to be self uh i'm gonna go out on a limb just because i i want them to hate me i don't care um yeah. the sci-fi i don't even i don't even know what you're gonna say but i already hate you for it <laughs> <laughs> the sci-fi seems to be the sci-fi realm seems to be too like they put too much on it like there's too much it's a self-imposition of intelligence like they think they're it's they they're too self-serious right like they're using all these like made-up phrases to like you know phasers on and shit like that i don't know like it's like too much to where they think that there's like they can't be humorous there are good mm. you know like galaxy quest i thought was funny and then there's the one that um well seth mcfarland did and mel recently. brooks did a classic um spaceballs i love spaceballs, spaceballs. uh yeah it's really silly but, that's but funny that's very silly, campy. But very silly but funny yeah yeah um Gosh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true what you just said. I think what we're going to have to do is, is uh, cut that all out because yeah, <laughs> no. going to have to fight it out. Of yeah, it. no, but you know, I I, I understand what you're, what you're saying there. I don't know what genres go together well. I know that sometimes drama is heightened by comedy, and comedy is heightened by drama, yeah. and that's why horror. I remember remember Elvira. Sure, she, she just came out a as show. a lesbian, actually. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, she um. And she apologized for not telling people sooner, but she'd come out. And what a letdown for so many people who were like, I you know, know, guys who fantasize about her. Yeah. But she used to come out after she'd do these horrible, scary, in a campy way, scary, badly made movies. Yeah. And then you'd cut to her, this gorgeous woman. She'd come back, this gorgeous woman wearing something very low cut, 
very yeah. revealing, mm -hmm. looking very sexy and pretty in a very uh, provocative position or, or posture and say, oh, why, wasn't that awful? You know, what a terrible movie this is. But mm -hmm. then it makes some corny joke or something. But that all working, you're laughing and you're feeling good because you were just feeling awful because this guy just cut somebody's head off mm -hmm. and then now you cut back to this woman and she's criticizing that too and she looks gorgeous and she's telling you corny stuff that contrast worked great for them mm -hmm. and and yeah. that was a whole genre this this uh, other people did that uh breaking up bad horror films with some light humor and that humor worked was much stronger contrasted by that horror and i think vice versa i think then you came back to the horror after all that light-hearted comedy stuff and i think maybe it got more drawn into the 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 gore and whatever but it's interesting that the combination i always worked in sitcoms so i was always writing comedy with something with drama as a basic structure but comedy um but i've always enjoyed uh, when a, a good drama has a, a character who's got a, a sense of humor, you know, the, mm -hmm. there aren't a whole lot. I'm trying to remember some, but there've been some, you, you remember, oh, God, this goes back. Nobody's going to remember this, the Rockford Files. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that because you watch old TV, but yeah. most people won't. But that was a case where the guy's humorous attitude played against the kinds of cases he was dealing with as a detective um i Same remember with, uh, murder she wrote murder she wrote she kind of had like a you know sense of humor about herself and same and yeah, the Columbo humor would monk, work you know monk the, got that yeah too. and monk was like that and yeah. they weren't the comedy wasn't great and the drama wasn't great but together they were really kind of a special thing they were they made both better you know what i actually i went i saw uh clint eastwood's the unforgiven and i was oh. like i really i didn't realize like that it was like some parts of it were like a comedy. I was like, I never realized that this was like a funny movie. You know what I mean? Like I don't remember some, it. I don't remember it. Yeah, they had some funny lines. Um, yeah, I don't remember the lines, but I was just like, wow, this is actually really, really funny. Like, you mm. know, I was kind of surprised. But yeah, I think it, you know, like say, take Die Hard, right? Which is like a, a you know, a Die Hard action film. But, you know, it's his sense of humor in these moments. And uh, same with... Um, Hans Gruber's like sense of humor in these mo in these moments. Yeah, I mean, that they were make them more well-rounded, mm -hmm. fascinating. But, but sometimes I've seen the opposite work. Sometimes I've seen if the show is really dr heavily dramatic, a comedic moment that would be a big joke in a comedy does mm -hmm. not play as a joke because or plays as a very mild or or not a laughing kind of joke because it's in such a heavy scene. So, mm -hmm. gosh, it's, that's it. This is, writing is just fascinating because it's, it, it's like life. It's so confusing, you know, mm -hmm. it's so confusing, but you know, good from bad instinctively or, or impulsively or emotionally or on some level. And you know that when you're writing, but it's very complicated. There's very little black and white, except, uh, except when you're talking about like the big bang theory versus atlanta mm -hmm. clearly i didn't mean that as black and white because they're black and white right, right, right. races i meant because 
one is so obviously a comedy with just laughs and that's all they care about mm-hmm. and, and they have to have some story so there is some drama because there has to have some storyline mm-hmm. it's not a sketch show and then the other one that's more about a message and a story mm-hmm. with some really good comedy in it I, I I really enjoy good writing period I mean I I love dr- good dramas I love good comedies I love I'm not much of a fan of like um animal house and those kinds of comedies it just balls out jokes mm-hmm. but but i do like um i just killed the clown who was honking that horn <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I liked, you know animal house is okay that was like a i you know what i that was like a different era of that type of movie i liked road trip which was like a I thought that was like a laugh out loud mm-hmm. movie. And old school. I thought old school for that, you know, for that frat guy yeah. genre. I thought that was a good one. I'm not a big, I'm saying I'm not a big fan of those. I prefer the comedies that have story first. I like, I've always liked rom-coms, which, you know, most people don't want to admit. Romantic comedies. Yeah. I don't really, uh, I, I liked, you know, actually one of my favorite, it's not even really a romantic comedy, although it is humorous and it has a funny person is um, Punch Drunk Love. Have you ever seen that? With Adam Sandler? No, I never saw that. No, oh, I've heard that of movie it. Is so good. That movie is like weird. It's like it hits people either like they either like it or they don't like it. But I, that's like one of, that's one of my all time favorite. I love P.T. Anderson. He's like one of my favorite directors. Huh. Wow. Um, yeah, that. That movie to me is like one of the best like romantic movies. Mm. You know, I like Amelie also. Amelie is like a really big one for me. Yeah, it's funny that for me, actors affect my enjoyment of a show sometimes. And so if I don't know the actors, I'm usually okay. But like somebody like Adam Sandler, somebody just bugs me. There's something about him that yeah. bugs me. And I, I don't enjoy his his anything he does. He's done some good movies, and I'm still always annoyed by. He's not like Adam Sandler in this movie. You know what I mean? It's not oh, a not? joke. No, it's not like um, it's not a Happy Gilmore or um, you know, it's not like that kind of movie. He does more of. He's got an unusual characterization. Uh, it's not so. It's not really a shtick. It's like you kind of get it, but it's not set up to where he's doing jokes to save grandma's house or anything it's actually like straight mm. acting it's like a very good he's, he's actually a, good a really, actor yeah he yeah, is a really good actor yeah yeah it's like you know like when you take um jim carrey like i can't mm. say like i wasn't a huge like ace ventura fan or anything i love the mm. truman show i think that's really good the majestic is okay but eternal sunshine for a spotless mind well i was like that's one of my all-time favorite romance i've seen of. him yeah it surprised that me i've great. seen him i've seen him i used to see him do stand-up because i used to do stand-up comedy yeah. in those days he was doing stand-up comedy too and his stand-up was really crappy but what was good was his performances because he didn't have good lines but he could do impressions where he could change the, his face to almost look like the actors he was doing impressions of yeah and he 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 demonstrates the ability to have breadth but he wasn't very funny but but and he didn't make it as a stand-up but as a comedic actor where other people wrote his material he could really play him well i i do i did used to 
enjoy watching him. Yeah. And some people say, well, how come you didn't like Adam Sandler then? He's a better actor. I don't know if they are. They're different. But um, something about Adam Sandler just would just rub me the wrong way. I don't know what it was about him. I've always but, liked Adam Sandler. I like I like, like Happy Gilmore and um, yeah, huh. yeah, Billy Madison and uh, Little Nicky. That's like I love Little Nicky. That that movie's so funny to me. Um, yeah, but you know, I he always does the voices and stuff like that kind of weird voice. He does that in Little Nicky. But after I don't know, I just really liked the movie. I thought it was fantastic. He did a movie recently which was because um, he's got like a twenty picture deal with netflix or something like that where he's yeah some kind of crazy thing yeah, yeah he did this movie um where he's a a diamond dealer he's oh yeah 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 that I was an interesting one I deadly serious right deadly serious yeah and i think it's actually based on like a true story or something like that very interesting he's captivating he draws you in and like he to me, it's like if he wants you to feel tense, you'll feel tense. You know, like it's like, oh god, like I'm like uncomfortable watching. Were you talking about the director or the actor? Adam now? Sandler, yeah. Adam Sandler, oh. yeah. You know, I he's not Marlon more... Brando. You know what I mean? But you know, he knows how to whatever he's doing gives you an, an emotional tie-in. Really? Wow. Yeah, to me. I've never, I've never seen that in him. I've always thought he was. Um, well, yeah. I, I think I, like, I if you check out. Punch Drunk Love. I mean, that's a gorgeous love story. Right. It's a it's a classic love story, but it's just told in such a hmm. unique way. And I, I P.T. Anderson, what he did with like There Will Be Blood, I thought was like, you know, just phenomenal. That's one of my favorite movies of all hmm. time. You know, yeah. that and The Matrix and a couple others. I saw actually a couple of good movies recently. I saw um, 1917. Have you seen that one? No, but, uh, but I'm, I meant to, but I kind of let it slip by. I could always yeah. do, catch it now, but don't they do a lot of continuous shot? Yeah, it's continuous uh, without breaking camera angles or shots or anything. Keep one shot. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like filmed as like a one shot, kind of like yeah. Birdman. Did you see Birdman? I did. Yeah. What'd you think yeah. of Birdman? I, I really enjoyed I, Birdman. I like Birdman. You know, and some people the ending was one of these things that some people loved, and some mm. people hated. I I'm one of the people who hated it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the ending. But yeah. I liked it. it I like everything. I like everything up to the very ending. The very ending. I hated the choice they made. They they had several choices they could have made. I think they made the absolute worst choice. Mm -hmm. That's the way I felt. But I still liked the movie because I liked it a lot up to that point. I understand why they made the, the choice they made. Yeah. I just wouldn't. That's not the way I would have gone. It's not the way I wanted it to go. But um, it was it was a very entertaining movie. Yeah, I thought Birdman was really cool. And I like Michael Keaton. I think he's a very fascinating actor. I like Michael Keaton. I, yeah. He's one of the people I enjoy watching. He's a, he's a, primarily was a comedic actor who's done some, very, some dramatic roles very well. So, mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the girl's name. She has those big eyes. You know, she's um, She was in Cruella. Cruella was really good. I saw that at the theater, actually. That was pretty fascinating. I wasn't oh, expecting the, to like the, that. The new, the new Disney Cruella. Yeah. Cruella. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, I can't remember her name. She was also in that um, movie with uh, the Help. The Help. She was in. Was she in the Help? I didn't see that, but she was in the dancing movie with. Um, yeah. Uh huh. The guy from Drive, which I can't remember. <laughs> we can't remember. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the guy who yeah. who was opposite the that yeah. woman who. <laughs> was he was in the he was in the big name? short too. His name's like not Ryan. Is it Ryan something? Yeah, Who, camera oh, from 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 the um, which which what are you talking about now? He was in the Big Short also. Um, he's really popular. He's like 
you know, he was also in the notebook. Somebody shout out the name. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> he's so fucking famous. I can't remember his name. I want to say Ryan something, but I don't know if that's right. He was actually in the, also the believer. I don't know if you ever watched that movie. It's about a kid that was like, um, pretending he was Jewish, but he was a skinhead and he was pretending to be like, to not be a Jew. He wanted to be a skinhead. And mm. so it was very, that was a very interesting movie with wow. Ryan. Damn. I'm awful with names, man. When it comes to shit like that, that's why like, you know, Keats would ask me like back in the day, like, Oh, who do you think, who would you like to have um, acting in this movie that you wrote or that thing that you wrote? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know, man. I'm yeah. Terrible. No, I, shit. I, I know the actors. I just don't, sometimes I can't remember their names. I don't know why that is. I, I, I have the same problem you have. And sometimes I'll have to, the minute the name said, I, I'll know. Ryan Gosling. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are, there are several Ryans out there right now. So yeah. Ryan's a popular confused. one. Yeah. So, um, but I saw, yeah, 1917. I thought that was good. Check that out if you get a chance. And I also watched, um, which kind of threw me for a loop. I thought it was going to be a totally different kind of movie. It was on Netflix. I watched it the other day with my wife, which is um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Have you seen that? Mm. With um, Nicole Kidman and some other fucking person that I can't remember his name. And Sonny something. I can't remember Sonny's last name. He's like a he's a little kid in this movie, but he was in mid-90s. He's a skateboarder, so I kind of... Uh, that's why I can remember his name. I, I can't pronounce his last name. It's like Soljic or something like that. But um, Well, as long as you can remember your own name. Sometimes that doesn't always work. <laughs> when, you, when you can't remember your own name, uh, it's time to get some meds or something. Or some yeah, you know, if somebody catches thing. me on the wrong day and just asks me real quick, I might like panic and not not remember and shit. I've done that actually before. You know, I've uh, I've actually done that with even when I was a young man. I've done that for some reason. I, I don't. And I, somebody else told me that. Oh no, you know who I've, I I don't know if this is true or not. I heard Brad Pitt doesn't remember faces. Yeah, that's what he's, that's I saw some interview or something where he can't yeah, recognize faces. Yeah, yeah, But I don't remember names. You know, if I'm at a party and somebody takes me around and starts introducing me to people at the party, I cannot remember anybody's name. I can't do yeah. it. <laughs> that's why that's why I don't like um, name drop because I just can't fucking remember people's names. <laughs> I can't remember. It's like um <laughs> it's like I guess it seems cool, but I just I'm forgetful. Hey, I even, uh, I think on one of these uh, podcasts, I mispronounced your name. <laughs> Didn't I call you Arto once or something? Maybe. Somebody um, somebody at work the other day totally called me the wrong name, and I just did not even bother trying to, like, correct him at all. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Well, Arto is a very unusual name. I never heard of an Arto except you. Colin Farrell. That's who I was thinking of. Um, oh, oh, oh. I had to look it up. Yeah, there's actually a few. I actually uh, met a guy named Arto that was... He got one of my, he had a child with a friend of mine mm. and we, we, we were, I was at a party that she had and I was, I said my name to, I guess his cousin and she was like, oh, my, my cousin has that name. And I was like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Mm. Cause I'd never met an Erto in person. Like I know mm. that I was named after someone, but I would yeah. never actually met someone. And, um, there's actually somebody I think named Erto Jackson out there, I think. I saw, really? Yeah, I think on huh. Facebook or something like that. But wow, that's yeah, this particular person, um, you know, totally basic last name, just like me. And, you know, we ended up taking our, we took pictures of each, you know, we took a picture with oh. our license out and stuff as proof. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, when I, I first, when I first 
you were a student of mine. When I, when I first was introduced to you, I was wondering where the name Erto came from. You, you later on explained to me because I didn't see it fitting into any ethnic or racial or area. Yeah, it's like my first all. name is like uh, Portuguese. My middle name is Persian yeah. and my last name is... Most people think because I'm black and white that my dad's last name is Jackson, but it's actually my mom's last name. She's white, you know, so it's from the... I guess the original Jacksons, you know, that <laughs> it wasn't an adoption. It was like, oh. you know, the, the, um, you know, the white to the Jackson. So it was just more wow. English, English, German, French, something like that. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so now let's talk about growing up being both black and white. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I can talk and about it's that. Time I will go. talk about that. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one to talk about that. Yeah. I grew up as a black child. And I'm doing the jerk, the movie yeah. The Jerk. Remember that? I wonder if that movie would play now. You know what I mean? I feel like now, like people wouldn't. I mean, it's still a classic. People still talk about it being like something mm -hmm. they really enjoy. It was a funny movie. It was one of those with a lot of funny stuff, but it also had some scary stuff in it. Yeah. I mean, it was comedy. It was all comedy, but the, but what it was based on was a scary notion. That, you know, these crazy people out there in the world. I love Steve Martin. I used to listen to his albums and stuff. I was really into Steve Martin. He said some of the funniest shit I've ever heard. So yeah, I yeah. saw him in person a couple times, and he was very funny on stage too. And he's he's very smart, and so he just he just had a, a a wonderful act where he used corny, cheesy, simple things like like the arrow through his mm -hmm. skull fake thing and all that but and he has a suit in, so it's like he knows how yeah to pull it yeah off. so he would turn these simple things into very funny moments and yeah he's one of my favorite people both as an actor and as a stand-up yeah he's comedy. great in serious roles and he's great in uh you know comedy but he's funny he's a funny person he's a funny man yeah he is but yeah. he's very introspective very thoughtful um mm -hmm. yeah and i i've always really Liked his comedy and uh, I. Yeah. I once hired him. I Did once you? on the Tracy Ullman show. He, 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 it's like I'd say it's kind of like an understatement saying I hired him be, or an overstatement because he did it because he liked the show. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no way I could have hired him because he was a a movie star even then and way beyond our budget. But but uh, he liked the show and we found out through somebody who said he liked the show. So we had our our people con our people talk to his people and yeah <laughs> and, and and they came to an agreement and he said he'd do this show for nothing yeah we, well, could, really. we, we, we couldn't uh, afford his fee and he didn't want to establish that he would work for less yeah so he said he loved the show so he was going to do an episode for nothing wow and so now you can't really do a show for nothing you had to be paid guild guild uh um scale or something scale for for the writer uh the actors guild yeah and so but that wasn't that was an insult if you gave him so you gave him that he gave, really gave it to charity i believe mm -hmm. i remember and then we presented him with a vespa you know you know what yeah, yeah. Are? for sure yeah, <laughs> and but... he loved it he loved yeah. it it was just a little motor scooter and that's what we gave him as a gift yeah that's we couldn't cool. afford we couldn't afford to pay him and he as i said he was improvised a lot we wrote stuff for him he did what we wrote and he improvised as well he yeah. was really easy to work with he was a funny nice guy he's like uh he, he's a, a kind of a, one of these dream 
mm-hmm. uh, actors to work with because he just likes doing it and he yeah. likes he's very cooperative and very smart but yeah i love um dirty rotten scoundrels that's a great movie uh-huh. you ever seen that one yeah I, mean, I like i could name off so many different movies of his that i really enjoy i've been yeah. liking him where he wasn't funny but he was charming was uh Something like Father of the Bride, I think it was. Father of the Bride was good. Grand Canyon was good. I don't know if he, you ever saw that. He was that. so good in, in that, just being a charming person, not being funny at all, but being somebody you you just wanted to be around, you know. Yeah, he was and on a string of movies for a while. He did a string of like really popular movies for a little bit. He worked about as much as he wanted to work, and now he's doing stand up again with uh, Martin, Martin Short. Short they, yeah, they, they're, they're touring and doing stuff, and it's good. Uh, and they're it. they're doing a series as well. They're doing a series, some mystery series, a death, something, something that's about a building where people keep getting murdered or something. But mm. um, he's doing that as a series. He, he's doing, he tours, he's doing stand up, and he's got to be approaching 80, mm. but he doesn't seem it at all. And uh, God, he's just got so much youth in yeah. his, his spirit and his presentation. It's just uh, a great, you know, a great entertainer. Yeah, you know what he did that was really smart is he went gray early. So then he has a timelessness about him. Uh, yeah, he does. That's true. He, yeah. he was gray as a young man. Yeah, so that was Very a smart young, move. He was gray. Well, I don't know that. Well, yeah, right. He could have darkened his hair, <laughs> but he chose not to. Yeah, no, yeah. It wasn't. I know what you're, I know you're, you're kidding, but I'm saying he could have darkened his hair and some yeah. people would have. But he, it was a smart move by God, whoever gave him that gift of, gray yeah. hair at a very young age um his genes his parents whoever gifted him with that uh it actually worked in his favor it was kind of the charm that this young man had gray hair he had gray hair when he was in his 30s yeah, yeah. And, and he looked so cool with that but he, some people would have been some people would have darkened their hair because they would have been worried about being con- perceived as getting too old too quickly but that's what's cool about this era. I don't know, like this artisan, you know, make your own bread, whittle your own bumpers or whatever. You know, I think it's like a cool era, but like they, people are like allowing themselves to go gray now, you know, which I, I mm. think gray hair is the coolest shit. I always wanted either white hair or gray hair, like when I was a kid. Really? You know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's like super cool. My uncle was like gray, and like he was like, you know, before he passed, it was like white, white hair, you know, but he, he went gray at like 18 or something like that, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It does look it, on young people. It's a very interesting look on older yeah. people. It just looks typical. Yeah. But, um, but it's cool. It's like a cool color. You know what I mean? And that the, but you have kids like young, young people dying their hair gray now. Like they're it's a. Oh, really? I, yeah. I, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's like a thing. Oh, really? really? Yeah, silver, gray. Well, I see people, you know, with white hair has been done forever. Young, young people bleaching hair white. Yeah, but but I didn't know anybody was going gray purposely. Yeah, it's like a whole thing, like that. You know, it's kind of like you know this bespoke era. You know, kind of bespoke artisan. You know, like craftsman kind of Mm. hipsterish type of thing. But that's one of the one of the iterations of the hipster thing that's going on that I actually really appreciate you know mm. i think it's really that and like the way people dress i think you know i'm not like much of a stylish dress person you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. not really my no my me either like, I'm wearing, you know i always wear t-shirts to these these things but but i appreciate it you know yeah you know it's it is interesting too about hair when i was a young man wearing long hair was what young young people wore long hair yeah it. young people wore long hair 
Older people wore shorter hair. Mm-hmm. Now everybody wears everything. I see yeah. older guys my age with long hair. I see young people with very short hair. I see mm-hmm. you just see it. It's like there's no rules anymore. It isn't like young and old. Yeah, it's, just, it's it like that with fashion too. Like you know, like if I look at like the the generations that are a little bit younger than me, they seem to not give a shit about color and patterns. They just throw it all together, and it's very like. Uh, clashing like they clash yeah. remember when we couldn't clash and now yeah. clashing's cool so yeah there's a lot it, of rules it, you know it is just a matter of taste because you could get to the point where clashing there are cultures where clashing colors are very popular but yeah american culture has always been more of a mat keep it matched you know match things up yeah i'm not much because I, I don't see colors that well i mean i'm not completely colorblind but i have a certain type of color blindness so i can't see certain shades but i always like to dress like even in like the middle school i like wanted to dress in all black (laughs) my mom was like what's wrong with you are you depressed you know and i was like no i just think it looks cool like i always like to dress like a ninja or like you know well that was gothic yeah like i was more in the modern rock but yeah i did like you know like i did enjoy and even like neo you know from the matrix which the matrix is coming out mm-hmm. now you know he dresses in all black i just yeah. like that like uh dress like a ninja kind of vibe you know yeah yeah oh we were talking about, about um niceness i remember a show called kung fu oh yeah when, when i was a kid David so that goes way back and i always wanted to be that kung fu character because i can't remember what the character's name was what was the character's name Cricket. Here we go. We're both like, well, Cricket, I remember yeah. that was his nickname, but yeah. uh, I don't remember what his name was. He was a white guy who had been taken in by. Uh, that guy had uh, the craziest eyes, too, with the Fu Man yeah, yeah, yeah. mustache. He had been taken in by, by an Asian uh, like master a of, of, yeah. Yeah, of Kung Fu. And so he came back to America as this very quiet, but totally in control and confident and i love that about him he would never get riled but if you did something really wrong like you were abusive to a woman or something he would kick your ass Mm -hmm. he would he would tear you apart but he was so calm in the process i always thought that was uh amazing that that was a character that's kind of like ted lasso is kind of like that in in a comedy version mm-hmm. in that he's this very nice level-headed guy i can't even picture him losing his temper but he always gets his way at least in the series it always seemed to turn out the way he you know eventually the way he wants it so yeah interesting it reminds me that it reminded me of kung fu when i was watching i was thinking wow it's kind of like huh. meditative kind of meditative Fair. yeah i've always admired people who are in control who don't lose their temper and who aren't um very uh, unpredictable people mm-hmm. who are very centered and very i guess serene in kind of a serenity which which ted lasso isn't that serene but i but i just always admired that because i've never been that way i'm either very up and excited or i'm very down and depressed and i'm in mm-hmm. our or I've never been that guy who's just so cool. There we go. What a cool collected. <laughs> that guy really is a confident 
person. You know, I yeah, never. Yeah, it's like Superfly. You ever watch that movie Superfly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were like, I remember, like one of the lines was like, "Oh, I liked you because you kept your back straight," you know. And I was like, "Oh, it's like oh, a good yeah, posture." Yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah. so interesting. I know people yeah. like that actually, where you're like, "Oh, this dude is." It does make a difference, you know, the slouching. It puts off a certain kind of. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating, you know, little micro movements and stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I one of the things I always say to students, and I may have said, said this earlier in that episode where we told everybody how to live the life that would make them feel good for for the rest of their life, but right. Uh, is is that everybody enjoys being around a confident person who's not mm-hmm. cocky mm-hmm. Not, if the person is arrogant and confident you don't like them at all but if they're confident and not at all arrogant or cocky mm-hmm. or or uh too assertive or too or domineering you love it so i'm so i always tell people when you're in a rewrite room don't ever look confused or scared or worried, mm-hmm. even though you are most of the time. Yeah. Um, just look calm like you got it together. And people love that. They look at you and they feel better. Mm-hmm. They just think that guy knows, you know, I guess we're on the right track or whatever. You know, it's just, this helps. It helps. It just makes feel, people feel better to be around somebody who seems to know what he's, he or she is doing. And, and, and uh, I've never really been that person, but I pulled that off in rooms when I first started writing professionally and i got in these rewrite rooms with all these really high priced famous or semi-famous people and i was intimidated i never let them know i always and the personality i'm showing here where i'm just all over the place sometimes is not what i portray in a rewrite room i i'm i'm in control in a rewrite room i'm i'm calmer I, I laugh at the right times. Yeah. I react to the right stuff. It makes everybody feel better, especially when I'm the showrunner. They like that I'm confident, that I know what I'm doing. And there are times where you're going, fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. But your expression is saying, we got it. It's under control. Just follow me. That's what they they need. They want. But Yeah, that's why I dress like a Jedi. You know? I do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you should do that when on on your next show. Mm-hmm. When you're running the show, you should dress in black. Come in, wear even wear a little mask. I think that would help. <laughs> or you know what you could do is you wear those like spikely, like circular glasses that like the owl glasses. You know, it seems to make people think you're really intelligent because your glasses. Oh are yeah, round. yeah, the round, the round little yeah. kind of little yeah, yeah, spectacle. Yeah. Call them spectacles. You know. Yeah, but confidence you know, is a big thing. Confidence, I, I I fall for it too. When somebody seems confident and they're like, like where you're in a jury room or whatever, the confident person is always the one that makes everybody feel better. It's these nervous people that you want to kick out of the room, you know, and that's where the right rewrite room is true. true. The nervous, too anxious, pitching too much, too loud, too whatever. They don't make you feel good. It's the confident one who just pitches once in a while with really good stuff. Like I yeah, it's kind of a that. less and more, less is more kind of thing. Because if you're a histrionic, yeah, yeah. if you're like real histrionic, histrionic and like, you know, erratic, and um, you know, it just makes it's unstable. So it doesn't make people. Some people actually can get away with being like real um, gregarious and animated, but it doesn't read as being nerve. It just it's like their pitch, you know, like their way that they talk. They're they're just animated, like Italians or whatever. Like you don't feel like oh they're not confident it's just that like they move their arms a lot when they talk they're very uh you know 
uh, you know, whatever. I don't know what the fucking phrases are, but well, you can get away with that because you're also Italian. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been Italian for a little bit, and it's been uh, been working out well. I'm not gonna good, complain. great. I know. Well, you know, you look you look kind of Italian to me. Yeah, Abalonia, you know, and then she fucking explodes or whatever. Um, yeah, the... but but it's true that um. Certain people, you know, I know what you're saying. Some people can be more animated and still come off as confident and still make you feel comfortable. Uh, so what I guess I'm saying is stay within that realm that will make people comfortable. Keep that in mind when you're pitching. Because I've seen people get in a room and they are so anxious to impress. So they're just pitching, pitching, pitching. They're pitching bad ideas because they're, they're so busy pitching. They want to get the ideas out there so much. Just self edit a little bit pitch your best ideas not every idea you have your best ideas um and and portray a confident person mm -hmm. be, be a confident person and that's why i say I, this is another thing i say that i think is important is is know the language i mean we all speak english but a lot of people think because they're writing for television and most of the and dialogue is pretty much random you know it, most people don't speak perfect english so you don't need to speak perfect english or even very good english in a lot of the shows you'll write but if your stage directions or your action lines or your descriptions are really well constructed using very strong um precise english language, language precise yeah. uh, um if you show a command of the language people are impressed by that too and so when it's just, again um if you if you're just trying to pitch everything that comes to your mind you get to look a little sloppy and, and again it makes people uncomfortable if you pitch your best stuff people are impressed by that and so um, going to these rewrite rooms not looking like you're scared and or that you're over anxious um, don't be anxious at all. Just go in those rooms and participate. Pitch, but don't over pitch. And I've seen people get fired for, for over pitching or not even pitching terrible stuff, but they just keep the room too um, stressed. There's too much angst in the room because this person is trying too hard. This person is pitching too much and we can't even think because every time you try and work on some dialogue in your brain, this person is already pitching something else. Mm -hmm. On, a, it's on a very, yeah, yeah, it gets distracting. So, yeah. yeah, that's an important presentation when you're in the rewrite room is very important. I think in my early days, I think that was one of the things that helped me succeed, my strong suit, because people said I was too quiet, and um, the people who were hiring me would always say, "Gee, we're worried. You're so quiet. You're so calm." And then I get in the rewrite room, but I I pitch a lot, and so I wouldn't be quiet. But I also wouldn't try to overcompensate by being a big pitcher. So I always had a nice balance. And I, and I always seemed to strike a good rapport with the showrunners until I became the showrunner. And I, I think I had a good rapport with, with my writing staff because of that sense of not being anxious or too urgent, you know? Yeah, it's important to say where it's good. Um, I, you know, <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to, you know, because we were talking about this the other day. This is totally unrelated, but um, when we were talking about um, Real Housewives of Utah or um, Salt, 
Salt Lake City, yeah. Salt Lake City. So you know the thing where she was saying that I, I watched an episode. I watched the episode, and there she was saying the thing with the thumbs up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you were saying like, "Oh, it's thumbs up," mean like "f you" or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's not that thumbs up means "f you." It's just that in that context, a thumbs up for her, you know, signifies. F- yeah, it's not like a widely known thing. It's just that, like, I remember thinking. You know, like, really- I was thinking about that and I was like talking to Jen, you know, and I was like, does thumbs up mean F you in different cultures? And we're like, I don't think so, you know, because it could, you know, sometimes in different cultures mean different things. But I, when we watched the show, I was like, oh, that's what Kim was talking about because they brought that up. She was being like, you know, like, yeah, cool, good job, you know, like, but sarcastically. That's Yeah, it was sarcastic the way she used it. But I, I wasn't sure because, I, because of people I know pretty well. So people I know pretty well um, were telling me that that uh, besides my daughter is the first one who mentioned it to me, mm. and then other people I know pretty well were also saying that they had heard that thumbs up, especially two thumbs up and up your ass. And I went, "Oh, really? Yeah, yeah." I said, "Gosh, I don't think so." I mean, there was a whole show where the critics either did one thumb up or two thumbs up. Two thumbs up was good, and yeah. one thumb up was one thumb up one thumb down was so i can't be that but in this particular episode you're talking about clearly a thumb up meant up your ass a thumb up your ass so who knows gosh it's so hard you know i think in some asian cultures i've heard that thumbs up means bad but that's also because they use their thumbs differently than we do like you know like um asian cultures had um like type text way earlier than we did with their phones so that they got to the point where they were pointing with their thumbs because they were so used to typing. Yeah. I read that somewhere. And so it stuck with me. And so it must be true. I know you read it in a comic book. It's not true. Um, No, it may be true. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I just thought, I I remember thinking that because we started watching Housewives of Salt Lake City and and that's a very interesting. Well, somebody told me that that, that in some, and I, again, I don't know where, but some Asian cultures or some Eastern cultures that that shaking hands is considered rude because they don't know where your hands been literally that, you know, I think that's like in uh, I heard that with like and it could just been like this bias that they built up. But I I heard that with like Afghanistan or some of those cultures because they're that's like their wiping hand. And there I do know for a fact that like I don't know if it's Haitian or something like that, but there are like I, I associate it with more black folks. If you touch someone with your left hand first, like they do not like that. They like you really? have to touch them with their right hand. Oh. Yeah, because your left hand is like your lesser hand or something. I don't know the mm. like the whole theory behind it, but I have definitely seen I saw this girl like flip out on the train one time because this guy approached her and like tapped her with his left hand and she like went really wow yeah, straight ballistic. So she wouldn't wow. have been good in a rewrite room either because she just, No, she would not be good in a shit. Yeah. You know, the, the other day I was in a restaurant and, and I was, I made a c- couple funny remarks to the waiter and, and he enjoyed them. And at some point he, <laughs> he, he tapped me on the shoulder, he grabbed my shoulder and, and said some funny line too. And they walked away and I said, I was thinking now if I were a woman and he, and he touched me in the shoulder, I would probably report him, right? Yeah. I would say, you know, this guy made physical contact with me, you know, inappropriately. But as a uh, as a man being touched by another man, I I assumed it was just uh, an appreciation 
It didn't bother me at all. But I was thinking, what we're talking about too, having to be too politically correct is that I'm afraid to ever touch a woman, even if I mean it in a, um, it's just a supportive way. If she, you know, so unless it's a family or relative or friend, close friend, yeah. Because I'm afraid that they'll they'll take it wrong, especially now. Yeah. And I was thinking this guy could be gay, and or he could have thought I was gay, and I, so I could be offended. He probably shouldn't have touched me, but I actually had, I actually liked that that he was open enough to feel comfortable enough because we exchanged a couple of quips that he could touch me as yeah. a sign of uh, of appreciation. So I, I don't know where we're we're leading with. I, I'm really afraid to be like when I was teaching. I would never be alone in a room with a with yeah, a but that just makes good sense. Student. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's just good good thinking because you, you know. You don't want something to be misinterpreted and when it becomes a he said she said type of situation in that type of environment you know they're yeah you know especially nowadays you could lose your job over something like that you know absolutely but we're we're, we're kind of divergent now yeah because i what i what it was about was was your your um the way you present yourself in a writer's room it is important it is important yeah. how you present yourself um, and some people think it is, and it shouldn't be, because it's all about being creative. But it, there are other things involved. So you know how you present yourself, your um, your your posture, your attitude, your voice—all those things matter. Yeah, and it shouldn't, but it does. You know, but I guess it's it every... too. You know, like you things yeah. like you know, like you'll you can exude a certain amount of confidence without you know. With, some people do it unconsciously; they don't. You know, they're not paying attention to every micro movement. They just yeah. feel comfortable. People who feel comfortable in their own skin kind of typically like, you know, uh, exude a certain amount of confidence. So yeah. that that way, like some of the things that they say may sound cooler or better or whatever, when actually the nervous, fidgety, like anxious person in the corner may have actually a better idea that just the presentation alone could keep people from and you know, like in a, receiving it well, but you know, also in a room too, is like there's power dynamics, you know. So people will tend to whoever they, whoever is generally like the highest level of chimpanzee or a gorilla, you know, like whoever is seen to have the most favor and be the most dominant, even if it's a subtle thing, people tend to um, acquiesce to that person and their their thinking, their their style of humor, and you know, it's. You know, power, power dynamics in social settings is very fascinating. It's a very it is, and, and and that's why I say when some when somebody says to me, maybe one thumbs up is a bad sign. I stop using it unless I unless it's important to my communication. I don't use one thumb. I don't do those signs very often, except on texts. I do it in texts a lot. But yeah. I stopped. I stopped doing one thumb up because I thought, well, maybe somebody also has that perception that it's insulting or is being said in a derisive way or in a sarcastic way mm -hmm. and i don't want that confusion so i stopped doing thumb one thumb up and maybe i shouldn't but maybe i should uh i don't know and if it really were important if i really used it a lot i would i would check it out i would yeah. i would really check it out and see what it is but i just, i don't do thumbs up anymore yeah type out the word thumbs up and then put lol and then put like laugh out loud yeah. also write that out <laughs> yeah yeah please don't, just don't misunderstand yeah. me uh don't be offended i yeah that's like yeah that's in a rewrite room say i'm gonna pitch a joke 
I'm not sure if it's good. Uh, I it just came to my mind. Just say it already. You know, yeah, but yeah. I see people apologize and, and disclaim. I like to write out emojis. I think that's funny. Like I, I'll sometimes at work, I'll write, I'll type out smiley face emoji. You know, and they're oh, yeah. like, oh. yeah, they're probably like, what the fuck is this dude doing? You know, this is not the time to be funny. But I would like you to. I really would like you to see what more of Ted Lasso because I think. Yeah, I'm gonna fun. check it out. I'm gonna check it out I, for sure. I, I would like to see what what your reaction is beyond the pilot because I think it's really cool that now you've given everybody your reaction on the pilot alone. Mm-hmm. And now, after you've seen a few episodes, and tell them how you feel, I think it's going to reflect on how shows develop from pilots. Yeah, like and I know that they I, won like a bunch of Emmys, so I think probably oh, yeah. people appreciate it. I don't know exactly what I didn't watch the Emmys, but yeah, I, I think they, I think they, they won every category, every comedy category except one. I think they, they did win, uh, or maybe two. I think writing and 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 I think female lead. I think. Other than that, they seem to have won everything. Is from what people have told me. I, I didn't watch them this year. Speaking so. of funny female lead, female written comedies, Michaela Cole won for she. I don't know what she won for in this. She won an Emmy, but for it wasn't serious. for something. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. comedy. But her um, show Bubblegum. I watched all the all the seasons mm. of those. I think it was like three seasons or something. But and she was that was a, that was a laugh. Yeah, I want to I want to watch take. that. I haven't seen. She's Bubba a strong yet. writer. I was not yeah. surprised when I saw that she won, even though it was for something that's dramatic. I was like, wow. When I watched Bubblegum, I was like, damn, this girl can. Write. I couldn't believe that she wrote the show. I was just like, wow, this and acted in it. So you know, I I think I think it's more. I think people who can write comedy are more apt to be able to write drama good good comedy mm-hmm. good drama than somebody yeah. who writes good drama yeah. tries to do comedy very often just. Boom! Just yeah, it's a timing thing. So I think I think it's easier to cross from comedy to drama than it is to go the other way. I think it, you know it, what it, it is, is too is that it's not just timing. It's that like if you most people don't understand that what you're doing when you're being funny is sometimes coming from a place of discomfort or pain or frustration with something or things aren't the way they should be and so you're poking fun at that thing you know what i mean and so mm. that's where at least for me like some people would be like oh you have like a dark sense of humor or whatever it's because of the things that bother me i'm it's not like i'm making i don't really make light of them i'm pointing out something about that but the way i'm doing it is in a funny way you know it's deliberate and that's why i typically don't do drama because it's like i don't want to like make it it's like too serious like something that's really too serious for me it's like i don't really know how to handle it emotionally so i say it and mm. and I, i'm not dismissing it when i'm joking about it like i got hit by a semi in dallas years and mm. years and years ago and the entire ride home i was like making jokes about getting hit by a semi <laughs> you know what i mean because yeah. it was like i felt like we almost died you know it's pretty close so yeah uh, it's like a way of dealing with the um you know the seriousness of the moment you know but you know well, everybody I, has that personality on no most of most of the comedy i've done is because it, it relieves me from the heaviness of life yeah life life is is a tough road yeah and i think comedy just helps it just helps mm-hmm. laughter they say is the best medicine you know that's an old saying and i yeah. think it's true laughter really does make you feel better it, it actually re- releases certain chemicals in your brain that actually make you feel better so 
Um, so that shows we, that Fauci doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about because he's over here talking about everybody needs to take vaccines and he should have just been doing some killer stand-up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That would have been, that's how we should fight the pandemic. Yeah. We should get some really funny people out there making yeah, us so- feel good. Stop worrying about what words people use and how PC or we got lives to save, man. You know, you got to get out there. Yeah. So, okay, go eat your dinner and, uh, and let's talk. Um, this is fun. I like doing it. I like doing this analysis and stuff. So I'm going to stop recording. We should say happy birthday to someone. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who do we say so, happy birthday to? Steve happy Martin. birthday to Drusilla. Drusilla. Okay, perfect. So, all right, everyone have a great night. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Yeah.